That's bisexual lighting. The pink and blue. Can you sing that to the tune of sexual healing? That's all <laughs> I need to know. I wish. We should probably do this before we... <laughs> Three. We got oh, jokes wait. for days. <laughs> I know. So here we are on a Tuesday. Oh, Nicholas. <laughs> you and your Ryan Gosling crush. I love it so much. Oh, I figured I'd get it in before we started. <laughs> <laughs> when does he come out with a new movie? Because I haven't heard you um, some fangirl over him since La La Land. Uh, he's filming one now. Okay. Filming one now. Yep. Sweet. Thank God. The world needs more Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> but you're listening to Oddity Files, <laughs> the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Nick Floyd. What a start. <laughs> you know, it's what we do. It's oh. what we do. Dude, I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like we've been... I've like felt guilty the past couple weeks because I've been so tired. And after seeing the adventure that you had this past weekend, I was like, well, I'm about to not feel guilty because I know you're going to be exhausted. So it's like tit for tat. It's fine. Exactly. I did just wake up from a like a hour long nap, which was much needed. I can't remember the last time I actually slept when I laid down to nap. I don't even know who I am anymore. I've always been a big napper. Um, old age does not like nap. I thought old people napped all the time. I mean, maybe. I feel like I feel like what we don't know is that there's something that helps the nap happen. So whether that is a pudding of some sort or <laughs> <laughs> like warm milk, I feel like something triggers the naps. It's not just like I want to sleep all day. Could be. I, I used to be able to drink a venti Starbucks and just take a nap. Nowadays, <laughs> like, I got to cut caffeine off by a certain hour. I can't sleep through the night. I don't know. Who's with me? Do we have any other old people that listen? Tweet at a bitch. At Kitsy Duncan. <laughs> Nobody's tweeted at a bitch, Nick, by the way. So I am calling them out. Yeah, that's fine. That's why I'm like... I'm going to keep shouting people out to like message me on, you know, the social medias or whatever when you have some sort of thought or something. And the only person that ever followed through was Evan. But Evan is a, uh, a saint, a wonderful human being. And one yeah, hell of a writer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it was. That's what it was about um, was his writing. And so, yeah, it was I'm glad he messaged me so I could tell him how great he is. I saw him while very, very briefly, and most of it was during during his panel at the PopCon, but it was great to see him. Finally met Daniel Kay. Yay! Hey, I saw the picture. He very... brought me some bourbon. So he walks up to the table, and he's like, do you have a bag? I'm, as he's like sneakily opening his backpack, and I'm like, Daniel, I, I, know, I know we've been friends on the Facebook for quite a moment, but what are you about to whip out here, mister? Big old bottle of bourbon. Yes. Yes. My absolute favorite gift there of the you weekend. Go. Oh, are you drinking it now out of your butt? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> still hydrating. Forgot uh, how dry convention centers actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got the live stuff recorded. It was amazing. There's this little community that I had no idea that KJ mostly built. She gets absolutely all the credit because they were all her friends first. But now, now they're mine as well. Came in and just did all the things. So a big shout out to Clay, Katie, Jana, Wendy, Patches, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, and if I am, I apologize, but it was everything I hoped it would be. 90s-style talk show with a medium running down the aisle at the end to give readings. It was beautiful. That's incredible. Good. You know, it's always great when things go as, they, as they're uh, planned and intended to. It doesn't happen often, but when it does. You know, I, I just kind of... So I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately, you know, all the spiritual shit and mm -hmm. everything says, just let the universe handle it. And I did. And it fucking happened. I think we all just need to let go a little bit more. Yep. Yeah, it's it's uh, maybe there's some like anti mercury and retrograde happening because I feel like I've sort of been in the same place just having moved and we're here and we're it just it hasn't really felt like. I haven't taken it in yet. It hasn't felt like I'm here and I sort of had that uh, come to Jesus, if you will, where I was like, maybe I just need to let the universe kind of do its thing and, and I don't know, figure it out. Um, I, it, it's crazy. I think the last, with the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic and the way that things are sort of happening now, it's taught me a lot about how conditioned I think so many of us have become in our lives that we think we need all of these things that we might not. Control um, being one of them. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I, I was going to tweet something the other day and I decided not to because when you put it on paper, it seems very negative. But I, I was basically saying that as kids, we have so many ideas of who we want to be when we grow up that's always the thing it's like i want to be a doctor when i grow up i want to be uh, a filmmaker when i grow up i want to be this when i grow up you you have all these aspirations but then you grow up and you're like i just want to be happy yep that's all i want doesn't matter what i'm doing where i'm at as long as i'm happy everything else once you let go of the piece of like if you you're when you say you want to be this when you grow up, you're like setting that expectation. It's been my dream since I was a child. And, da, da, da. and you can still chase it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the chase, that's why like I love and respect where you are in your career. Because you, you're always chasing something, even though from the outside, from people like me, I'm like, oh, you've made it. You're there. Like you're doing all this stuff. But you're still chasing it. And I think once the chase is gone, things aren't as great as people probably think they're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> One million percent. One million percent. So, you know, I, then it becomes you know, a job. When I, was, when I was younger, I wanted to be Madonna when I grew up. And in the sense of I'm constantly reinventing myself because of my ADHD I think I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, if I had a poster of you to put on my wall, I would, oh, but stop. I just don't have one of those. So maybe you should sell them on Audio 5. 
I legit have like the the <laughs> insanely tied back ponytail going on, a la Madonna, nineteen nineties. Yes. So there's that. Yeah. Um, really cool that will be coming to Oddity Files soon. I still have to move files over from my Zoom recorder. I got like three or four personal paranormal stories from fucking CJ Ramon. Oh. Yeah. Are you going to play them on the podcast? Yeah. We'll do Heck it as yeah. a listener story. But don't stop sending them in. They're finally sending them in, Nick. Oh, They're there finally we go. listening. <laughs> I know. If only they listened to, to, to write a review, because I was really, I was going to, I mean, I had the cash. I have the yeah. money. It's there. It's in. It, it's ready. <clears throat> it's in his Venmo. <laughs> it's in my Venmo. I don't have Venmo, but I do I have cash. <laughs> That was Send always, him a dollar via I, snail mail. I will put it in the mail. I will lick that stamp, and I will smack it on there and send it to you. And it's yours. You can, you can have my DNA, uh, clone me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't at all. But oh. things were absolutely amazing at PopCon. A huge shout out to PopCon. Um, I know this will go up a week afterwards, um, but this weekend I'm looking forward to the show premiering on WNDY here in Indiana. I remastered the first episode, turned it into a two-parter, added some footage that wasn't in it the first time, got a hold of all kinds of family pictures of KJ's, and I'm super excited for that. And we're also doing... um, or at, if you're listening, have done, did our uh, big premiere party at O'Reilly's Irish Pub in downtown Indianapolis. So huge shout out to Joel over there. Apparently, KJ and Patrick have been friends with this guy forever, and he and I went to the same high school. <laughs> World gets smaller every single day. It's ridiculous. Okay, I'm done ooing and eyeing over... The amazing things going on over here. Tell me what's going on with you. Are you settled? Are you feeling lovely? Have you been hanging out with mom? That's the most important part as a mother. I mean, are we are we ever settled uh, ever? I don't know. But uh, yes, I have been hanging out with mother. It's been great. Um, you know, we're next to an Ikea now. I've built multiple things incorrectly because the instructions are dog shit <laughs> nothing gives me anxiety like an ikea so kudos to you every single time i get something and the instructions are like written out i'm just like oh god just give me pictures and then i get pictures from ikea <laughs> and i'm like give me the words please um <laughs> uh, no, it's it's everything has been like I said. I don't really haven't really registered that I'm here yet. I haven't really seen old friends yet. That's uh, coming very soon. But I have been spending a lot of time with family to make up for the seven years we were away from my family in Orlando. And there's little things, you know, like today I got a um, my office room, my podcast dungeon was a little warm, so I put up a what are these called? A curtain. <laughs> What are these called? <laughs> I put one of these up today, and immediately the temperature cooled off right away, and I can utilize my Hue light system available on Amazon Prime using the code. Oddity, don't oh, it's no. just there's we no don't code. have that, guys. But, there's uh, no code. <laughs> but I do love the Hue system. Um, I just want oh, like a, Alexa. Yeah, yes, yeah. I don't I have love any. Love it. 
I don't have that hooked up. Uh, I do it all for my phone, but it's just... I mean, they're $20 lights, and then I put the bulbs in, and it feels like I'm in... You probably can't see it on the camera, but it feels like I'm in a really nice room. You are in a really <laughs> nice room. Your decorating skills are on point. He's got all the fancy movie posters behind him. Looks like a, a library full of pop figures. Yes. Yeah, I got a library. Got a library of pops. Two empty shelves down here. I got my my pet monster stuff up here. Um, my uh, I'm giving a tour for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but I have my Green Knight poster. Uh, the movie hasn't even come out yet, but it's now a part of my uh, poster collection. So hopefully, it's oh. good. Yay! Hope so too. Yeah, it's a nice poster. It's a Regardless. great poster. The movie's going to be great. I'm such a fantasy nerd, and the movie comes out two weeks, so the week after this airs, uh, it's coming out in theaters, and, and I'm purposely holding out. I want it to be my first movie back at the movies. So what's it about? I've not even heard of it. It's based on uh, kind of the deep cut King Arthur, Arthurian tales um of Sir Gawain, who's related to King Arthur, and he basically, uh, this green knight who's this, like, forest monster comes forward to the round table and says, whoever can defeat me uh, shall hold the power. And so Gawain lops his head off right away. Uh, it's and like ages. the mountain from Game of Thrones. Basically that. Uh, and then he just goes on this quest throughout his life trying to figure out the purpose of the green knight and what it all meant and why he was able to defeat it and that he will come back in 10 years, 10 years later and all this stuff. But it looks amazing. Oh, cool. It's not, I, I do love a good period flick, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a period flick on acid, which is great oh, for me. sweet. Yeah. So I am, uh, I love the, the guy who directed it. He's directed some, he's, uh, he's actually directing the new um, uh, Peter Pan movie for Disney right now. God, I have not been paying attention to what movies are coming out at yeah. all. I apologize. Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, so that's, I know everyone's going back for Black Widow and Space Jam and this and that, but Green Knight is going to be my first movie back. I've, uh, I've decided. Awesome. So have you watched excited. anything on the TV? I, I have not. I've watched uh, Fear Street Part 2. Okay, yeah. You told us you liked the first part. First one was solid. Uh, The second one, I'm biased because one of my uh, good friends, Sam Brooks, is in it. Oh, fun. And and I'm so proud of him. Spoiler alert. He's he's first blood. He's the first one killed in the movie, and I'm so proud of him for it. (laughs) That's so great. So uh, no, it's it's great. I, it's very like Friday the Thirteenth. It's uh, it's a camp. It's 1978. It's it's uh, kids at a camp, and there's someone running around with an axe, killing everybody. Um, so this is a Netflix thing that's dropping episode by episode. Is that the first time Netflix has done that? Movie by movie. Uh, so it's well, a trilogy. It's still an episodic ish. Yeah, they're all. It's it's so unique because they're because they're doing them all like a TV show. The way the, they all can be watched standalone, but how the second one starts picks up right at the end. So you you start the second movie and it says previously on Fear Street Part One, and it recaps what happened in the previous movie for you. 
Oh, and that's cool. Then it starts, and so each episode, or oh, see, now you got me all fucked up. Sorry. Each each movie is going back in time. So the third movie is sixteen sixty six. So witchy okay. Salem witchcraft type stuff, and it looks wild. I think it's going to be the best of the three. But again, I'm biased because of my friend. But uh, no, this one was much better than the last one. Good. It was just the soundtrack was great, even though it was just basically the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. <laughs> you know, I'm a sucker for a good soundtrack. It all started with Iron Man and all the ACDC and Marvel has killed it. I'm, I'm super stoked to hear that a a uh, horror flicks pull in the same jam. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I I'm I think that if you're going to do like a period type horror movie whether it's the 80s, 90s, 70s, 60s, go all in. But also there have to be other 70s songs that exist, right? Like Hooked on a feeling. Uh, it's, I'm high on believing. <laughs> Sorry. I was counting and I think 6 of the 10 songs that needle dropped in the movie were all from Guardians, but one that wasn't was uh, the use of Kansas, which I was very pleased. Oh, nice, <laughs> carry on my wayward son. Yep, <laughs> nice. They sold that from Supernatural. Yeah, there you go. I can't hear that song and not think of Jeffrey Dean Morgan because of Supernatural. <laughs> and never has it ever played from my playlist while Jeffrey Dean Morgan was in my photo op room. And I'm still very disappointed in New Universe because I would fangirl and cry oh. and say, get over here. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. That, that, I mean, for me, as a, maybe as a kid, I didn't remember as much. But as I got older, music, you remember scenes from movies. Like, they are iconic because of mm-hmm. this song. Or, I, and I believe a song can make a scene. They are make, make a whole movie. Oh, if yeah. it's used correctly. Guardians, case in point. Right. Without that stick, because it makes the character, but mm. yeah, anyway, I, everyone's joking about like the 1666 Fear Street and like what m- songs they're going to use. Like, I can't wait to hear Bach, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Well, they could do, oh God, what was that movie? It had Heath Ledger, it had Alan Tudyk in oh, it. Oh, A Knight's Tale. Yeah, they could do it that style. Yeah. Th- that'd well, be badass. In the way that they're doing it, and again, I don't want to spoil too much. I, I'm just saying from the trailer, the way that they're kind of doing it is the the story of Fear Street is there's a witch um, who comes back. Her name is Sarah Fear, I believe. And because there's this stuff that happens, she comes back to haunt this town. And the whole third movie is, is her origin story, basically. But it's her origin to- story with everybody who's been involved tied in. So it's it's 1666, but it's like also modern at the same time, like a glitch in the Matrix that's happening. That's so jam. Yeah, so a lot of the characters are, are from the trailer, it seems like a lot of the characters fr- from the films are showing up in this sort of like nether realm where mm. it all began. And the lead actress is playing the witch herself because of some some stuff that happens in, in the movie. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, anything could happen. I would love some, like, weird-ass Knight's Tale-type music. That would be amazing. It would be that awesome. Would, I, I do have to throw out to that song I was just singing that I don't know the name of. I don't remember hearing it in the 70s. All I think of is that little baby dancing around. Ooga-chucka. Ooga, ooga, <laughs> ooga-chucka. 
I don't think I've ever seen the music. Is it a, the music video for it? No, it was like one of the first gifts or, uh, or, or oh, yeah, yes. one of the first gifts. Yeah, the yeah. little like, little baby. what is that? Computer generated baby or whatever. Yeah. So, oh, again, the good old I'm days. Old. That's awesome. Anything else going on in your world? No. I, you know, I was just trying to talk about Fear Street as much as possible because I have <laughs> nothing else going on. <laughs> exact same here like my life revolves around paranormal crossroads right now it's almost done we did end the kickstarter at like 160 percent funded which yes. thank you anybody who's listening if you shared if you contributed if you even looked at it and went good luck kitsy i appreciate you so yeah. you guys are kind of my heroes and did not see that coming yeah. so yay it's uh it's really amazing. And for those of you who don't or, or have not used GoFundMe or Kickstarter or whatever, um, you can have a lot of really supportive people in your life. But sometimes when you when these things go live, um, even those people who are most supportive of you don't really contribute, don't really lend a hand, don't really do this and that. But every it seems like everybody here obviously did that and got you... Yeah over goal and that's why it's so special because it's like you guys really came out you showed up i i had no idea um still blown away i still have no words i mean it's still new it's so it was it's just yesterday that it ended so a huge shout out to our both of our friend chris 51 for getting on the phone with me and saying hey Here's what I did for my Kickstarter. Try this, 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 and this. So, yeah. And I know KJ had a friend, uh, Shelly Harper from Conquest Journals, who did the same for her. So, huge shout out to both of those people who had done the, the Kickstarter successfully. Um, it's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> it's, it's very daunting. Um, and it should be. I feel like it should be. Yeah. Um, because it is... It can be easy because it is money that's just sort of showing up. But if you really do it right and you are successful, it's hard work. It is. Uh, but Creating you did it. all the ridiculous content. Did yeah. you see my Moira video, Nick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> God, that was so much fun. I'm so that's glad. for all y'all who love that episode that I did in the voice of Moira. I'm like. Oh, they liked it. So maybe I should. I got to do one more fan fiction thing. One more fan fiction thing. And I chose Shit's Creek. So, so I guess good. we should throw this over to our, our woman who knows everything, Ms. Fortune Astrology. Jess, hit it. Hey there, oddballs. It's Jess from Ms. Fortune on Moody here with your weekly energy forecast. Mercury in Cancer dominates the weekend, for better or worse. First, he trines Neptune in Pisces on Saturday, then he opposes Pluto in Capricorn on Sunday. Mercury in Cancer is cranky. In fact, everything that moves through Cancer is cranky, but Mercury is particularly miserable here because he rules our left brain. That's the masculine logical side for those of you following along at home. Cancer, on the other hand, is a water sign. It's feminine right brain type energy. There's lots of crying and it's very emotional. So when Mercury transits through Cancer, the energy is similar to a dude who's trying to rationalize whatever it is his girlfriend is freaking out about while she's on her period. Totally not possible, an exercise in futility, if you will. The trying to Neptune will blur these lines even further than they already are because that's what Neptune does. He dissolves shit. 
Now trines are easy aspects, so this energy is likely to get your creative juices flowing in a good way. But because Mercury travels so quickly, it's impossible to consider this trine energy in a vacuum. The whole time that Mercury is dancing with Neptune, he'll be applying to the Pluto opposition as well. And that will cause much more harsh, domineering energy to, to infiltrate the scene. Pluto opposite Mercury will raise the dead, so to speak. Your subconscious habit patterns are likely to be on full display, so the only good use of this energy combination is to escape it completely and into something healthy, like nature, music, or naps. Naps are good. The middle of the week sees three lane changes, back to back to back. On Tuesday the 27th, Mercury wraps up his sob fest through Cancer and enters Leo, where he's bound to have much more fun. On Wednesday the 28th, Jupiter backs into Aquarius. You may recall that Jupiter has been retrograde since May, and that he had made it a few degrees into Pisces before turning around. Jupiter retrograde asks us to focus on a specific area of growth so that we can make it more sustainable. It's a pause on expansion, but with the express purpose of ensuring that once he moves forward again, consistent growth can continue indefinitely. Now the flavor of that mission changes. It becomes more detached. The line between Aquarius and Pisces is known as the cusp of sensitivity as in Pisces is super sensitive and Aquarius is super not sensitive. Both signs are humanitarian and universal in their approach, but there's a cold detachment in Aquarian energy that is never present with Pisces. Maybe you've gotten too attached to some area of growth, and now it's time to evaluate it from a more logical perspective. And finally, on Thursday the 29th, Mars moves into Virgo. Militant vegans rejoice, your transit has arrived. Mars in Virgo is sure to bring out the control freak in all of us, so don't be surprised if the next six weeks sees you on a fucking mission to do something that you would otherwise find really, really boring. Virgo is also the closet freak of the Zodiac, so having Mars here may get pretty hot and steamy for some of you. I am balls deep in my grand opening extravaganza this weekend, so if you're in the Boston area, head on down to Moody Street in lovely downtown Waltham, Massachusetts, and check out my new storefront. I'm hosting a kick-ass raffle featuring prizes and readings from the absolute best of the best psychics and mediums in the Northeast. For those of you who can't make the trip, I'm offering 10% discount on all online purchases over 25 bucks. Just use the discount code GRANDOPENING, all one word, at checkout. My shop is located at 580-3 Moody Street in Waltham, and my online shop is live at misfortuneonmoody.com. That's M-S-F-O-R-T-U-N-E-O-N. M-O-O-D-Y dot com. Ciao for now. Okay. I, you know, Jess, you're amazing. You guys, she just recently opened a brick and mortar out on the East Coast selling all her her crystals and her jewelry. And I think she does her astrology readings there too. I had actually, during the pandemic, when I first had Nick on the show, I had had her on the show as well when I was just trying to put content out there to one, keep my mind off of, you know, the world falling apart and two, you, the listeners' minds off the world falling apart. I did an episode with her as well. And I'm telling you, her readings are kind of amazing. So definitely check her out. Um, Nick, you want some paranormal in the news? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, always, <laughs> it always throws me off. But yes, I would like... So. <laughs> okay. so I had done this recently on the Patreon for uh, the higher echelon Patreon people. I do like a, a Zoom meeting like this where I read the paranormal and the news story and I 
pop up some pictures and get, you know, they get full snark. Those of you that heard it already, you're going to hear it again. So here it is. Police break up exorcism at Pennsylvania Home Depot. Police in Lackawanna County broke up an exorcism in the lumber aisle of a home improvement store on Monday. Details are scarce on just what was going on inside the Home Depot on Commerce Drive in Dixon City Monday afternoon. This is from June 24th, so it's really not that long ago. But police were called at around 3.26 p.m. to escort several people out of the store for bad behavior. Um, According to reports, the exorcism was held for the trees that had been turned into lumber. I was hoping it was for the outrageous lumber prices going on in the world right now, which doesn't make any sense tying it to the pandemic. But anyway, the police bladder item posted on the Dixon City Police Facebook page, which I went back to look and I could not find it. So they must have removed it. But they gave few clues as to what happened, simply saying 3.26 p.m. Commerce Boulevard at Home Depot for disorderly people having an exorcism in the lumber aisle for the dead trees. They were escorted out of the building. Close to 200 comments on the post begged for more details. There's no indication the incident had anything to do with the price of lumber. Oh, look, we're all on the same page. According to reports, no charges have been filed at this time. What? What's the, what state is this? Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, that make, that tracks. <laughs> I, I just... I, how... <laughs> how do you... Okay, who shows up to the scene and deems it an exorcism, first of all? Uh, I, I'm assuming holy water was thrown. I mean, maybe they were just a environmentalist group who were mourning the loss of trees or they were druids exercising don't they believe that people reincarnate as trees or so i don't i'm i don't even know i know druids have something to do with trees (laughs) what if it was just a typo like what if they were exercising on the on the lumber (laughs) <laughs> they're mountain climbing on the lumber and Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, they just and it was like the new guy at the office uh, for the police department who had to write it write up the Facebook post, or was, <laughs> or it was his last day and he's just like, I want to see shit go south fast. Exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he went to he dug through all the old Halloween costumes, found you know the the creepy priest costume and was just throwing water around going i exercise the demons i just don't i don't know i i i want to know who was responsible here and to which we can at what point is it safe to just deem things as you see them like if i saw someone talking to a gas pump i wouldn't say he was exercising the gas pump I would say that maybe he's had a hard day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe he got a hold of some meth. We're yeah. not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. I saw. I've been sitting on that one for a hot minute. It's, 
it's baffling to me. I, there are just so many different ways this could have played out. It's Pennsylvania. There can't be that much to do. So maybe a couple people just got really high and ran around the Home Depot. That would be a fantastic place. That would be the equivalent of a, maybe a Pennsylvania Pennsylvanian sonic forest like Coachella. <laughs> You know, maybe it was those Pennsylvania Dutch. Are, are, are they close to Amish? Maybe it was some kind of Amish thing. Maybe. I have a friend in Pennsylvania who lives by the Amish. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. I have, I have no thoughts. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. I have no... <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand any of this. Um. <laughs> nope. People are a hot mess so we've got no words you listeners don't go start exorcisms in home depot that save that shit for walmart yeah um and exercise you know the people of walmart because that makes so much more sense um i believe you tell a story first i don't know i'm just sitting here imagining some guy lifting uh, lumber like it's like the gym's too four expensive. Four by four, man. He's exercising with the lumber. He's exercising <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be able to forget that one. Uh, I don't know who goes first at this point. The last two weeks have been I've blinked and they've they've existed. But if you say I go first, I mean, I guess I won't argue. Oh, I don't know. I was supposed to edit an episode today, so I would know, and I I have not had time. So. <laughs> Sweet. You can just edit it, right? You can just cut me out and put me in the end. Nope. I'll leave it in just for this banter. So, y'all, if this is not the order we're supposed to be in, sorry about you. Head on over to Home Depot, Depot, if you will, and do some exercising. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, then I guess I will tell a story. <laughs> I will say, I'm going to preface this with, uh, I, there were two stories that were very good that I was trying to figure out which one to tell uh, first, based on time, uh, both will be told one today and one next week. So you're going to hear them both because they both had me scratching my head. Um, so I apologize if I have a come apart as this story uh, <laughs> goes on. Okay. So we'll see. What's a come apart? Uh, just uh, uh, nonstop bout of laughter. So we'll see what happens. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Is that a southern thing? I like that. Yeah, come apart. I've never heard that phrase before. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you might get a front row seat to witness one tonight <laughs> <laughs> with the way things have been going. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> 67 years ago, an 18 year old Mennonite farm boy from a tiny Kansas town. There's the card you just pulled it you darn right i did <laughs> probably exercising with lumber uh, an 18 year old mennonite farm boy from a tiny kansas town had a lake monster in his sights albert burke newfeld fired two shots from his hunting rifle in a vain attempt to bag sinkhole sam the greatest sam. monster legend kansas has ever known I thought you were going to say he had a monster in his pants. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, anything's possible. He was 18. Uh, he was just probably like goofing around. He's like, you guys want to see Sam? 
Oh God, this is all the dirty. Now, took me a second. I just woke up from a nap. Sorry. (laughs) There are multiple reports of a massive snake-like creature. This whole thing is going to be ruined. (laughs) It's so dirty. (laughs) It's so dirty. (laughs) See, you're having to come apart before I can. There are multiple reports of a massive snake-like creature swimming in the big sinkhole. Which is the official name, according to the Kansas State Department of Transportation, a few miles outside of Inman, a tiny town northwest of Wichita. I just love that they've deemed this the big sinkhole. The big Because there's lots of little ones, apparently. Yeah, so this is the big one. The legend began surfacing in the summer of 1952, the year before Bert Neufeld took his shot. The creature was described as being between 15 and 30 feet long. A wormy beast as big around as the tire from a 1951 REO Speedwagon. Size does not matter, Nick. (laughs) No, it doesn't. That's why they estimated a good distance between 15 and 30 to make everyone feel inclusive. Exactly. Included. (laughs) I don't know. At the time... (laughs) Inman was home to approximately 500 hardworking farmers, tradespeople, and shop owners. Not a single one of them was quite sure what to make of the monster. In 1952, a veteran Kansas newspaper columnist named Ernest Alva Dewey traveled to Inman to sort it all out. Dewey, whose writing career began as a publicist for a traveling circus, had a reputation for poking fun. job goals! It's all just a disaster. Uh, he had a reputation for poking fun at local legends, which who's I mean, what like what's up his PR butt? for a circus and you're making fun of local. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, people? you're telling me. <laughs> he once attributed UFO sightings to an airborne Kansas dragon known as the ball-tailed Snicklehoopus. <laughs> he just made that word up. Of course he did. He worked for a traveling circus. Dewey's article was published by the Selena Journal Sunday before Thanksgiving. In it, he claimed he brought along a scientific sidekick by the name of Dr. Erasmus P. Quattlebaum. No. I kind of love this guy. He's such a dick. <laughs> Quattle- way possible. Yes. <laughs> Quattlebaum determined the sinkhole inhabitant was a Gurkle, a critter known to inhabit subterranean Kansas caverns. It's the best story ever, Nick. I, I, I hate it so much. <laughs> that fact, in hard quotes, explains why such a large animal could exist in a body of water that only gets 15 feet deep in the middle after a hard rain. The big sinkhole was merely Sam's above-ground swimming pool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Dewey concluded that fishermen and swimmers had nothing to worry about because Quattlebaum's research indicated that Gurkles were terribly dumb, in hard quotes, and very vegetarian, also in hard quotes. Oh my god, I'm dying over It's here. so stupid. Dewey's spoof brought hordes of monster hunters to section 27, which is a square mile of land just southeast 
of Inman. By the way, this story is coming from KansasCityMagazine.com. This Get is not out. some like this isn't some Wikipedia. This is a whatever a real uh, publication. This is a real publication. Uh, the northeast corner of Section 27 is where you will find the big sinkhole and possibly a vegetarian lake monster. So is this a, a town called Section 27? I'm a little confused. It's there. like it's a, it's a a square mile of land in southeast okay. Inman, which is near Wichita. Okay. In 1953, when news of this of the prairie-locked sea serpent reached Kansas City, the Newspaper Enterprise Association dispatched reporter Mary Kay Flynn to the scene. Flynn found numerous hard quote responsible citizens who <laughs> described Sinkhole Sam as 15 feet long with a fluted tail and a long <laughs> fin on its back. <laughs> Alrighty then. I'm going to use that every time for the rest of my life. This is like, well, who did you hear it from? Oh, it's just a group of responsible citizens. <laughs> I I am, quote, a responsible citizen, unquote. <laughs> ask me. Ask me. I am responsible. Oh, <laughs> uh, where was I? Responsible I for what is I, what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Getting a cat out of a tree. Oh, shit. It was the 50s. They were outside. They read a book. That's what they were responsible for. <laughs> Eyewitnesses also mentioned Sam's big, in hard quotes, non-snake-like grin. <laughs> so I just imagine this giant fucking snake with just a human's, like, mouth. Not sharp, pointy teeth, but, like, people teeth. <laughs> Human teeth. Just being like, <laughs> it's me. Sick old Sam. It's me. I'm Sam. How you doing? I'm responsible too. <laughs> Can I be a responsible citizen? Flynn hailed Sinkhole Sam as Kansas's answer to the Loch Ness Monster, which is very astute for a 1953 journalist. Flynn's article also includes the first account of Newfield, Newfeld, excuse me, using Sinkhole Sam for target practice. Oh, no. Brett Newfeld was sure he hit him, but another witness named George Reger, sure. maybe, thought Sinkhole Sam evaded serious damage. On October 12th, 1953, newspapers from, shout out to Chris51, Eugene, Oregon, to shout, yeah. out, shout out to me and my background, Panama City, Florida, picked yeah. up Flynn's sensational story. Those two locations are very interesting because of the connection. Yeah. Was it all a hoax to boost tourism, or were there locals? Were the locals merely having some fun with the city slickers? The only witnesses named in Flynn's newspaper account were Newfeld and Reger. Both men are dead. Oh, no. <laughs> so where are these responsible citizens? I guess those were the two. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of holes in this one. Mm -hmm. uh, and a sinkhole. And a sinkhole, yeah. Dr. Edward Newfeld, a retired psychologist, was 16 years old when his older brother's sinkhole Sam story became public. Quote, our family was embarrassed by the whole thing, says Edward <laughs> well, Newfeld, a retired psychologist living in the Kansas City area. Bert... <laughs> Newfeld instead enriched himself over the years by sharing the story of Sinkhole Sam at bedtime and around campfires with younger members of his family. 
Quote, if he listened to the show, he'd probably send it in as a listener story. I would love that so much. It would rock my God, world. But instead, here we are getting it from <laughs> KansasCityMagazine.com. Uh, quote, Sickle Sam was always described as being longer than a man is tall, but my dad liked to say the more people who saw Sinkhole Sam, the bigger he would get, says mm-hmm. Brian Newfeld, Bert's son. I'm convinced, not me personally, but the author of this story, that <laughs> Newfeld and Reger stumbled upon something unusually large in Saurian that day at the big sinkhole. To get a better idea of what they saw, I needed to consult an expert in cryptozoology, which is the study of unknown animals referred to as cryptids. Thanks for the clarification. (laughs) You're welcome. That's why I said, not me, the author of the story. (laughs) So I, not me, the author of the story, called Lauren Coleman the world's most respected cryptozoologist. Right off the bat, Coleman thought the description of Sinkhole Sam sounded similar to another cryptid, the Mongolian death worm. (laughs) Oh, shit. I was relieved when Coleman said he was only referring to Sinkhole Sam's snake-like dimensions. The thought of an acid-spitting worm from the Gobi Desert roaming around Kansas was a bit much. Besides, everybody knows Mongolian death death worms top out at five feet long, obviously. (laughs) Everybody. I mean, I knew that. Did you know that? Of course I knew that. Of course. I I wrote that part in because I knew it. (laughs) In 2003, Coleman co-authored a book with Patrick Huey titled The Field Guide to Lake Monsters, Sea Serpents, and Other Denizens of the Deep. Although Sinkhole Sam didn't make the book, there's an appendix entry for Kingman, Kansas, which is 50 miles south of Inman. That steered the discussion toward freakishly large snakes on the plains. In the late 1960s, the citizens of Kingman organized a hunting party to track down a 20-foot animal that was as big around as a man. The animal had reportedly devoured a calf it dragged into the Kingman County State Lake. Did Sinkhole Sam tire of being shot at in Inman? Was vegetarianism just a phase? The Kingmanites suspected they were dealing with a giant snake. There's only one problem. The longest native snake to Kansas is half the size of Sinkhole Sam and the State Lake Snake. Hmm. According to Travis Taggart, the president and executive director of the Center for North American Herpetology, the gopher snake is common in the Inman area. It's the longest native Kansas snake reaching lengths of approximately 89 inches. I don't know that in feet, so you're going to have to do that math. I don't either. It doesn't sound very big. No, not at all. Until some lucky shot bags of body, we may never know whether Sinkhole Sam was a giant snake or something more akin to the Loch Ness Monster, but that might not matter. Quote, whether the story of Sinkhole Sam is true or not, I know one thing for certain. The legend is real. It, it, well done. That's, that's the story of Sinkhole Sam. And a beautiful story it is. It's a wacky one. It is. I've never heard that one before. I've heard of the Mongolian death worm. I know um, uh, pre-Nicholas days, Clayton had done that story, and they're fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, hell no. They spit acid. Ew. Yeah. They Ew, remind me of, it. like, tremor. <laughs> Your shit's creak. They remind me of tremors a little bit, but more yes. snake-like. 
for sure. That was good, though. I The names were a little rough. Not as rough as the names are about to be in my story. Oh, I'm um, excited. <laughs> I'm excited to hear your uh, German. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, take a quick break. And uh, kids, we'll be right back. Are you a coffee addict like me? We'll check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash bonescoffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Are you looking for that next great read? Well, I've got you because I wrote it. Head on over to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com and order yourself a copy of my book, I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, where I tell you the ins and the outs of my paranormal journey thus far. If you've watched the TV show Oddity Files on Amazon Prime or YouTube, this is the perfect companion piece to give you an inside look on what was going on inside my head during my most prominent investigations to date. Again, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by Kitsy Duncan. Thank you. Not every haunting is driven by evil. It happens even in the most mundane of places. Down the block, around the corner, and sometimes in our own homes. Paranormal Crossroad is here to bridge the gap between the living and the dead. Are you living through a haunting at home or at work? Do you need answers? Contact the all-female paranormal research team today. Go to pxroad.com to get the answers you seek. Extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so that was lame, but we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Guys, we've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost effective there, and this store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we we talk about our pets all the time, and we kind of love our pets a little too much, just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. 
choose it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. Okay, so did you know, Nicholas, <laughs> that Germany has its own Stonehenge? Uh, I did, but I only learned that when few months ago when those um oh shit the things they found the things the the monolith that's what this story is about oh no this isn't the monolith yes this that's is, what i okay. found out gotcha okay well i'm about to tell you that story and that story goes a little something <laughs> like this these are the cruel and twisted discoveries at Germany's Stonehenge. When you think of Stonehenge, what do you think of? England? Druids? Oh, that's where the Druids are from. <laughs> they don't have anything to do with trees. Shit. <laughs> um, partygoers celebrating the solstice, a unique piece of ancient heritage. Ch- Her- heritage, yeah, that's right. Chances are that you don't think of Germany. But, as it turns out, however, Saxony, Annalt, has its own early Bronze Age wooden henge. Not even going to try to pronounce it. Oh, There's please. lots of R's. Give it a try. Ringenheldetum pomeletter. There you go. Nailed I don't it. even know what accent As long as you do the accent, you should have <laughs> You should have yelled it. <laughs> that was my Moira accent, I believe. I'm not sure. Um <laughs> Which is a made-up accent. (laughs) The recent uh, evacuations have added more detail to its dark, distinctive history. The reason that you might not have heard of that word I said earlier with the wrong accent is that it was only discovered in 1991. The monument, which is located near the village of Palmelt, P.O., with the little dots over it, M-M-E-L-T-E, in the district of Jesus Christ, Salzendrakis, Salzendrakis, was discovered when aerial photography of the region revealed the outline of the structure. Like Wiltshire's Stonehenge, it's a concentric, that's the word. God, never let me nap before. Was that a German word? Was that a No, that was that was American. Um and is made up of seven rings of raised banks, ditches, palisades in which wooden posts were positioned. If you visit the 380 foot wide circle today, you can see the attractive reconstructed monument. The painted wooden posts erected at the site give tourists a sense of what it was like in its heyday. Like Stonehenge, the orientation of the site appears to have been determined by the summer and winter solstices. Thus, I didn't write the story. I would (laughs) never use the fucking word thus. But I do use, however, until recently, archaeologists assumed that Ringenheigeltitum, 
was a ritual site that was used for religious purposes, stargazing, and the celebration of seasonal festivals. It was essentially a sacred flex space. So it's like, you know, those um, outdoor concert venues of today. Oh, like a like an old um how they used to do pl- watch plays back in the day. Yeah. Uh. But you could use it for whatever you wanted. You wanted to have a fucking um festival, you had a festival. If you wanted poison to come, well, it might not have been poison. It was poison to <laughs> um but you know, the first time I ever saw Poison play was in Germany. Wow, that was a perfect little circle. Anyway. Look at that. A Stonehenge circle, one might say. <laughs> Made of wood. Made of wood. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now excavations now that excavations began last month and reported this week by Heritage Daily, they've revealed that people actually lived there. So not only was it your party palace, it was also the place where all the cool kids lived. During the course of the May 2021 excavation, scientists have discovered 130 dwellings, 80 of which are complete, 20 ditches, and two burials. The newly discovered structures were built between 2800 BCE and 2200 BCE. When did BCE become a thing? I thought it was AD... And BC. I thought BCE was like current times. I'm Googling. Okay. I'm Googling the common era. Before the common era. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm even more lost now. Okay. But most of the houses were dating to the latter period, which was the 2800 BCE. Um, oh, you know what? I bet they're making it politically correct. So it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus now. Yeah, it's oh, the same thing. Jesus. So BCE and BC are the same year. It's okay. just the Gregorian calendar. Gotcha. Thank you for doing my homework for me. It's greatly appreciated. <laughs> What makes the presence of homes especially noteworthy is the character of the religious rituals performed by the between 2005 and 2008 excavations sponsored by the State Office for Cultural Heritage Management in Baden-Württemberg. I do know that one. Hey, there you go. <laughs> and the Martin Luther University in Hale-Württemberg, both in Germany probed the secrets of the site. It was these excavations that discovered the 300-year period of use and the post holes for the wooden fences and poles that have since been rebuilt. Other objects including grinding stones, because, you know, back in the day, you couldn't live without one of those. Yeah. Millstones, stone axes, ceramic vessels, and animal bones were found in the pits. Very not otherworldly. The researchers also uncovered more macabre finds in the particular and dismembered remains of 10 children and women. Ostreological, I'm guessing that that's the word, o- osti- osteocra- nope. Uh-huh. Os- <laughs> osteoarchological, maybe. Analysis of the remains revealed that four of those buried had suffered trauma 
to their skulls and ribs close to the time of their deaths, suggesting that they had died violently. While archaeologists Jesus criminy. Is that one German too? Nope, that's American. Okay, you got this, you got this. Archaeologists uncovered more formal burials of 13 male adults within the east side of the rings to the ring and chum thing that I'm not pronounced correctly once. (laughs) The internment of the women and children was different. Their bodies were thrown indiscriminately into the pits, leading some to suggest that they had been ritually sacrificed as part of the rituals that took place there. Andre Spitzer, one of the lead excavators on the study, told Live Science that one of the individuals had their hands tied before they were thrown into the pit. In the study itself, the team wrote that it remained unclear whether these individuals were ritually killed or if their deaths resulted from in, in, intergroup conflict. In, intergroup conflict, that's another American word, such as raiding. But the difference between the male and female burials were suggestive. The gender-specific nature of the adult victims and the ritual nature of the other deposits, said the press release, make ritual sacrifice a likely scenario. And, you know, I'm gonna, I can pr- mispronounce words for, you know, hours, but I'm going to stop right there. And I, I've always been obs- kind of slightly obsessed with Stonehenge and, you know, the rituals that people say happen there and things like that. But when you actually find proof it's something similar, I, I, I don't want that to have happened at Stonehenge. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I'm sure this will, the more they find out as time goes on, we'll hear more about it. This is from thedailybeast.com. Um, and they're still, you know, digging it up and looking into it. But they've been saying for years that all of those sorts of structures were, you know, um, based on religion and communities and things like that. But with Stonehenge, nobody can really pinpoint what actually it is, other than the summer solstice, solstice lines up perfectly in those things. So, yeah. you know, there's been stories about possibly sacrifices happening there and things like that. So, mm. I mean, this might be closer to that than we uh, than I thought was the real deal. So, yeah. there you go. I I just love that we've gone this far. We've come this far. Like people are taking trips to space, but yet we can't figure out where like pyramids, Stonehenge, all the these handful yeah. of things came from. The most simplistic of structures, just man I mean man-made structures, I'm saying that in quotes. It's just so funny to me that that we're at a point where we have machines who are making things I can put something in my computer, I can spend a thousand dollars and have a machine 3D print something for me, yet we mm-hmm. can't figure out how Stonehenge and shit was made. It's just so interesting yeah. to me. I mean, they've got the theories, but nobody can finally just say, oh, guys, this is absolutely how we did it. Uh, they did it. Yeah. So, yeah, isn't that like slightly concerning, though, that we have all of the science who are telling us like what exact what dinosaurs looked like so many billions of millions of years ago, and yet we don't have a definitive answer for like a confident answer and saying this is how this was made 
<laughs> you know, I never had this thought until you just said it, but it's slightly terrifying. Yeah. It's a little scary. Um, but also, I think everything is perspective. <laughs> if there's anything I've learned yeah. over the last couple of years, um, it's that sometimes it's easier to just take one piece of information and then find a way to spin it to be true. Like, mm-hmm. I say it to say that we talked about it a couple weeks ago, like, oh, we found life on Mars. Life on Mars is some semblance of water that has existed on the planet. That is life. But yeah. the headline is so much better to say we have found life on Mars. Absolutely. I think I read something probably a couple of years ago where they think they found where the stones from Stonehenge came from. And it would have made sense for them to make some kind of thing for the stones to have been rolled all the way to where they are now. I'd have to look into that one. But I do feel like they're closer with that, too. I I don't think you're the only one that feels that way. (laughs) And other people are spending money to get answers to that kind of stuff. Lots and lots of money. Yeah. But there you go. Um, I have a quick listener story. Look at us right on time, Nick. I'm so proud of us. I know. I'm proud, too. Um, this, is, this came in from Tabitha, and the subject was what I once seen. Before I start, I have to say I'm a huge fan of Oddity Files. Here's my spooky story. I was about nine when this happened. I lived in a small town in Arkansas. And every time I see it spelled out, I want to call it Arkansas. <laughs> Our house sat on a hillside so far into the woods that we only had one neighbor. This house always gave me the creeps. Maybe because it was so large or maybe because of the many windows. Or maybe it was the fact that there was a cemetery within walking distance of our front yard. Anyways, it was early one Saturday morning. I had woken up before everyone else to do what all kids do on Saturday morning, and that was fixing a bowl of cereal and watching cartoons. Well, after I had pulled out my bowl and was getting ready to pour my cereal, I saw someone quickly move from the living room into the den. Now, I only saw it from the corner of my eye, so me being a kid thought for sure it was one of my brothers. So I stopped what I was doing and went to check. To my surprise... No one was in the den, so my next action was to go and look and see if anyone was awake. No one was. It was just me. So needless to say, I left everything on the counter, went back to my bedroom, pulled the covers over my head, and stayed there until I heard my dad moving around. I would have done the exact same thing. That was my first paranormal experience and was by no means my last while living in that house. It wasn't but a few months later that my dad passed away. Was the figure some kind of warning of what was to come? I have no idea, but that's the one experience that has stayed with me my entire life. My name is Tabitha, and this is my spooky story. Wow. I I love it. I think, again, this is another important time to say if you have a story... It can be something brief. It could be unexplainable. It can be one of many you've experienced. It can be a little slice, a little sliver. And that's just enough because it's an experience that you've had. And and that's that's that. 
Absolutely. And you know what was really neat about getting out in public again and, you know, sitting behind a booth that was, you know, based on the paranormal was people walking up and telling me their paranormal stories. Because it's it's not the norm. It's not something people can talk about with everyone. I want that to change, first and foremost. That's kind of... Uh, KJ and I were talking, we need to make this more normal, like you and I have always said, Nick. But... um I'm always here for a good personal paranormal story, people. And thanks for everybody who came up at PopCon and told me theirs. Guys, I sold a shit ton of books at the PopCon. So you need to get yours now. Head on over to Amazon and get your copy of I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. Hopefully I'll do more um, events like this. And people were bringing in their books they had got on Amazon and having me sign it there. So Nick reminded me to plug the book before this podcast started. So that was a really lame attempt at following his advice. Um, it wasn't. You nailed it. It was perfect. It's better than not mentioning it at all for the entire hour forget. that we speak. I always forget. You do. You wrote a book. It's not easy. It's not easy to do. It's not. It's not. And I'm still trying to figure out what book number two is going to be. I have all the thoughts, but I can't figure out which one. Um, Confessions of a Paranormal Investigator. Ooh. Ooh, I could write about other people's stories in that, too. Confessions to a Paranormal Investigator. Ooh. <gasps> did we just mm-hmm. write... We had just we just dropped... Teased your, your second book right here in, the, in Zero Hour of this podcast. <laughs> that might have happened. We shall see. I will Look keep at you. you Look at the pen. I see the pen. She whipped a pen out, everybody. For those who can't see, the pen has been whippethed out, and she is writing something down. And then I was like, oh, I'll write that down when I edit this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you have it recorded permanently forever. It's going to live true. on it's very forever. Um, guys, a huge shout out to all of our Patreon members, but especially our executive producers, Doug Molden-Locke, Donald Blanchflower, and Ryan Hoke. Weird is the new cool... I'm Kitsy Duncan, and that was reversed. Uh, it always is, and and I'm, you know what? Ghost on. I'm Nick Floyd. Shit, yes, that's it. <laughs> Just to it. make you feel better. Thank you. I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is brought to you by the Oddity Files TV show. Have you heard of it? Have you watched it? Head on over to Amazon Prime Video and check out Oddity Files a three-season investigative paranormal show. Music provided by James Grice. Please support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash oddityfiles. Give a little, give a lot. It helps support the podcast. And we appreciate our producers, Donald Blanchflower, Doug Malden-Lock, and Ryan Hoke. We have a merch store, can't get enough of oddity files wear us on your body tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files please support our partners every little bit helps rate review and subscribe especially on apple podcasts it's what helps us get the word out there and you know we can always use a new weirdo or two come hang out with us on our Facebook fan group. Just search Oddity Files fan group. All kinds of fun stuff. You can win things. You can read memes. You can buy cool shit. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. 
Okay. Go. I'm done. What are you still doing here? Just get out of here. God, I love Ferris Bueller. 